What is up, my dudes? It is Alec Lindstrom, former Boston College offensive lineman. You're listening to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. Go Eagles and go ACC. I swear we have more than just Alec Lindstrom for that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, you made it. Yeah. <laughs> Bare, I mean, barely, but is yeah. That, I was saying, is that giving you a lot of credit here? Uh, giving, yeah, give, giving me a lot of credit. I uh, had the travel day from hell on Saturday afternoon coming back from that bachelor party in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I have done a lot of traveling for work over my seven year career and I have been, you know, stuck overnight places and I've had, you know, multiple travel delays. I've missed connections. Yesterday was my first time that I've ever been diverted. So lost my diversion virginity yesterday and I'm, uh, I never want to go back to diverting. Well, not, Let's put it that way. I mean, you know, once it's happened, you can't, you'll never go back, right? Like, yeah, I was kind of live tweeting this as it was happening, like in between my college football thoughts, because I was seeing games sporadically throughout the day yesterday. Uh, pretty much the entire flight, by the way, I was watching ACC football. So that was pretty cool. But then once I got to Pittsburgh, I spent the better part of the 3.30 window trying to figure out how I was going to get back to D.C. Long story short, uh, Scott's roommate from college lives in pittsburgh and came through in the clutch with a couch for me to sleep on last night because i was not getting out of pittsburgh craig doesn't like football that much but shout out craig shout out craig man shout out yeah, to craig craig was huge he did mention to me as i walked in he goes tough one for the hoagies today which i thought was pretty funny so that was kind of <laughs> how that conversation started so shout out craig shout out to craig um yeah, and of course we're we're mentioning this by the way because we promised Saturday night fever. This is now Sunday yeah. night fever again. Uh, this is not by design. This is because Mike was in Pittsburgh just randomly last night, not not planned at all. So um, this is not how we designed it, but you know we still make it work. So thanks to thanks to the folks that are uh, joining us right now, watching. They're in the comments. Um, we, we've got some people joining us here. So thank you, thank you to those who are uh, still sticking with us on this kind of odd schedule uh, as as it was unplanned. Um, Mike, I, I would venture to say that your travel escapades yesterday were um, not the weirdest part of the day as it related to just honestly the whole day of Saturday. Um, it was a we had 14 ACC games this weekend. We 13 did. of them were on Saturday. And we I think we have to start here. 13 ACC games on Saturday, seven of them. If I'm if my math is right, if I'm if I'm counting right, seven of them had some sort of weather delay that happened, yeah. either you know delayed the start or kind of paused them in the middle. I mean, it was constant. It was the only there was only one game from the games that started you know 11 a.m. Eastern. Vandy Wake Forest that game started early. There were a handful of noon games, and then Georgia Tech South Carolina State at one o'clock. That was seven games. I think there was only one of them that was not affected by weather and it was Clemson Charleston Southern. Like every other one of them either was delayed to start delayed somewhere in the middle. And that just, I mean, very unusual, but like it's going to color, I think some of the analysis that we have of all these games as they, as they go on. 
Clemson probably wishes their game was delayed, by the way. <laughs> Just want to throw that in there. Uh, Clemson was told their game was delayed, actually. Um, yeah. Charleston yeah. Southern was not informed of that. Yeah. Uh, you know what was really funny, too, is uh, I ended up in downtown Pittsburgh right around the time all the Pitt fans were getting out of the stadium and emer- re-emerging back on campus, which was very funny. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, after all this, I end up like two blocks from Pitt's campus on a night where they lose to Cincinnati. So we'll get there a very go ACC day uh, all around. And, you know, my flight wasn't the only thing affected by weather, as it turns out. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, Mike, we so again, we're going to call out the weather thing up front. That's going to come up in a couple of these games, I think, in the analysis and such. Yes. Um, But wanted to call that out up front. Uh, typically we go through Saturday night fever and we, and it's just totally free form, you know, pick a game and let's just keep rolling. Yeah. I feel like there's one place that we have to start this week, Mike. I have a feeling I know where that is, Joey. And it's, it's not a joke, by the way. I, you know, I, I could absolutely do a bit and, and we need to talk about UNC app state or, you know, something like that. But I think where we have to start, Mike is Miami 48, Texas A&M 33. Joey, um, Joey, mm-hmm. Miami beat that ass. They, they beat did. that ass. They did. This is a 15-point win by Miami, and I don't think it was that close. Like it it Miami was so much more the better team in this game. Like, and you got to realize that Texas AM got 14 points of their 33, one on a blocked punt that they then were, were set up with a short field, and another where they punted mm-hmm. to Miami and Miami muffed it and and Texas AM recovered to have first and goal. Like Special teams cost Miami 14 points of this game, and they still won by 15. They were the better team far and away, I thought, on Saturday. I mean, huge win for them. Absolute credit to Cristobal and that staff. Um, I, still a little bit of context we're lacking with this season and what is Texas A&M, but like, at the end of the day, that was, a, that was a ranked team. You got them at home. You had a good crowd. You played well. Like you said, beat that ass. Beat that ass. So a couple things here. Number one, we're lacking context for sure. Number two, it doesn't matter. This was a game last year where Miami went to College Station and really struggled to score at all, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't get any sort of points in that football game. It was an offense. And by the way, AM didn't score much in that game either. That was a really, really ugly game early in the season last year. Mm-hmm. And this game was totally different. A&M got off to a really hot start. Miami was kind of behind the eight ball. Um, Obviously, a special team's blunder early put Miami behind the eight ball, right? But despite all that, this was proof of concept for Miami's offensive line. Mm -hmm. That's my takeaway. A&M has recruited one of the best defensive lines in the country. We can have a conversation about whether it's actually one of the best defensive lines in the country because it's certainly not. But they have the talent up front that a lot of teams do not have. Miami's offensive line ran right over them. Uh, the pass protection was outstanding all day. Uh, Miami really got anything they wanted offensively the entire time. Tyler Van Dyke was incredible. Uh, he was really, really good. Uh, just slinging it all over the field. It looked like the Tyler Van Dyke of two years ago. And 21 of 30 really for 374, five touchdowns. Spreading the ball around, uh, the question coming into the year for Miami was, you know, which receivers were going to step up on the outside, right? Because I think going into last season, the question was still offensive line play. This year, Cam came on and told us, he said, the offensive line should be better. And it is. 
it's definitely better. I mean, this is why the better defensive lines from a talent standpoint, they'll play on the entire schedule. And they mm-hmm. passed the test. And they passed it with flying colors, Joey. I was just blown away by Miami's explosiveness on offense. We've always known they had the athletes. The jury was out a little bit on Van Dyke only because of how last year went. But 21 of 30, 374, five touchdowns, was never uncomfortable back there. Sure, Miami didn't run the ball great. They didn't have to. It, it was more of that sort of thing for me than the fact that they just simply couldn't run it. Henry Parrish was averaging five yards per carry. If they wanted to run it, they would have. They didn't mm-hmm. need to. Um, they spread the ball all over the field. Three re- different receivers had five catches or more. Xavier Restrepo, six for 126. Jacoby George had five catches for 94 yards, three touchdowns. Colby Young, six for 75 and a touchdown. And Isaiah Horton caught a 52-yard touchdown pass. They were explosive on offense. Van Dyke was very comfortable in the pocket. He was slinging it all over the field. No questions for me, at least yesterday, about mm-hmm. his arm strength. Looked fine to me. Uh, turns out when your receivers are running wide open all over the secondary and you have time to throw, you have plenty of arm strength. Uh, this guy is fine. Like mm-hmm. Van Dyke is fine. In fact, he's quite good if he keeps playing like this. I am. I don't say this often, Joey. Really, really, really impressed by Miami. This was... And, you know, A&M could go on and end up having a terrible season and Miami could go on and end up being like seven and five and being a disappointment. But I look at this game and the takeaway for me is Mario Cristobal was supposed to come in. He was supposed to recruit and and change the culture. And Miami was supposed to be a tougher team. This was the first time in Mario Cristobal's tenure where Miami went into a game, SEC school, really highly recruited defensive line. They were the tougher team yesterday. They were the more explosive team yesterday. They were the much better team yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I was really, really impressed by the Hurricanes. I am so curious to see how this goes for Miami moving forward because this is a gigantic win. It's a building block win. Uh, it's a big one for Cristobal. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. And it's a proof of concept win. That's my takeaway from this game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I do want to clarify. They, they were explosive on offense, specifically in the passing game. Yes. Um, they, they they did not have the best time running the ball. It, it, I, I completely agree that that offensive line looked noticeably better than it did last year. Um, they were not able to get a lot of room for their running backs in the run game, but they were able to keep Tyler Van Dyke on his feet. You know, yeah. He was only sacked twice the whole day. Um, and, and, I mean, again, for Van Dyke, it was, it, it was a little bit of a field day for him. Again, 21 of 30, 374, five touchdowns, no picks. Average 12 and a half yards per attempt. Uh, th- there were how many different receivers that had big, long catches? I mean, picking up chunk yardage. Miami only ran 54 plays in this game. Yeah. And, and, and picked up close to 500 yards of offense. Like, that's that's significant, you know, against My, a good Texas A&M defense. Miami's receivers are averaging almost 18 yards per catch yesterday. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about this game. Seems pretty good to me. Yeah. Uh, I'll take that. Um, I I will point out, too, I mentioned that Miami gave up 14 points on special teams. They also got seven back, by the way. They ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Um, So that I think that skews some of the the play, the snap numbers a little bit. Just, you know, you gave up a drive with no yards, but you did come away with seven points. That's good. But um, in any case, I'm with you. Very, very impressed by Miami. There is some context needed here uh, of kind of as the season goes on. We saw these teams play last year. We thought that, you know, big win for Texas A&M. Neither team made a bowl game. So anything can happen. But like you said, I mean, this is is as good as I've seen Tyler Van Dyke look in a while. 
Um, so very, very impressed with my, I, I don't have anything bad to say here. I, I was blown away. This is, this is, as you said, this is proof of concept. Yeah. Proof of concept. I mean, in the Mario Cristobal era, which again, we're early, right? We're mm-hmm. two games into year two, but we haven't seen Miami go up against a team where there is a, I wouldn't say a talent discrepancy because I don't think that's fair, but when they're at least on even playing field or maybe a slight talent discrepancy in terms of how A&M has recruited the last few years relative to Miami, where we've seen the Hurricanes go into a game and not only win, but dominate the second half. <laughs> I mean, it was a beatdown in the second half. Yeah, I, it was really just really, really impressive. I Nothing bad to say. It's yep. just really, really good. Really, really yep. good. Alexis Solaris didn't sign up for praising Miami. Hey, credit where credit's due. Credit where I, it's due. What do we do? I we're saying hi Cam tonight, but like yeah. only for good reasons. Hey Cam, uh, Adam Parker. Now, what do they do next week? You, you have to avoid the letdown against Bethune um, because that Dear would be God. As tempting as it is, Miami, don't don't do it. That would don't be very it. funny. I uh, <laughs> it'd be way funnier than Middle Tennessee State last year. That sure would. That'd be way funnier. Mike, that's all I got here. Anything else before we move on? Good stuff from the Hurricanes. Miami 48, AM 33. Where to next? Uh, I think we got to talk about NC State next. Let's do it. Notre Dame 45, NC State 24. Um, a game that was, again, delayed. Affected by weather. Yeah, it was what in this early in the second quarter? I think it was, it was delayed. Did it start on time? I can't, I can't even keep track at this point. Maybe Notre Dame, I believe, started on time. And then got delayed. I think. I think that's Virginia right. Tech. I'm trying to think. But then, yeah, I think they both. So Notre Dame and Virginia Tech got delayed at the same time. So yes, they both started on time. Okay. Notre Dame started on time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, NC State. I mean, this was. I, I thought this was a valiant effort from their defense that just kind of fell through after a while. Um, yeah. It. You know, they they tried, but like. NC State's offense had such a bad time trying to move the ball and and yeah. trying to stay on the field for a while, especially throughout the first half of this game, that I think their defense just finally kind of wore down and Notre Dame was able to hit some shot plays and really pull away in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I mean, again, valiant effort, but NC State was not, not really able to hang with Notre Dame for all four quarters. Hartman was good. He, he was. was good. He was pressured early in the game. Um, Not spooked by that Wolfpack defense. But he had one throw over the middle of the field in the first half that could have been picked. That's the only one I can think of where I was like, man, that was a really questionable throw by Hartman. He was under heavy pressure and let one fly over the middle a little bit high. Notre Dame's offensive line dominated this game. It, it really turned into a situation for NC State where they couldn't get pressure on Hartman and then they just really couldn't stop the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Audric estimated 14 carries for 134 yards and two touchdowns. He had an 80 yard run in there. I want to mention that mm-hmm. that that skews the stats a little bit, right? Was that the first play out of the weather delay? The first play out of the weather delay. He took a misdirection, 80 yards, basically untouched. Basically untouched. Uh, yep. Basically untouched. Uh, Notre Dame ran the ball with success in this game. They threw the ball with a lot of success. You know, we were talking about Miami's receivers averaging almost 18 per catch. Notre Dame's receivers averaged a little over 19 per catch. Uh, 
Holden Stays, who's a sophomore tight end for Notre Dame, had four catches for 115 yards and two touchdowns. He was averaging almost 29 yards per catch by himself. He had two long touchdown catches. Uh, Chris Tyree had two catches for 68 yards. This was a game where Notre Dame hit the shot plays. Mm -hmm. They hit big plays in the passing game. And uh, when it wasn't a big play in the passing game, it was the big play in the running game by Audrey Gestime. And there's a time in this game um, in the second half where NC State had a little bit of momentum. And then Notre Dame just killed him. Mm-hmm. It, this was a second half domination, body blow. Uh, Notre Dame was better in the trenches, both sides of the ball, second half, yep. flat out. That This game got away from NC State pretty quickly mm-hmm. because I, I agree with you. NC State all day had a really, really hard time offensively. And they had a little bit of success early in the game, but they really had try- Armstrong was running for his life. I mean, that that's the bottom line. He, he mm-hmm. made a couple plays outside the pocket, including on the touchdown pass um, that he had in the first half. He was outside the pocket, rolling to his left, made a really good throw there. But they were in some trouble. And Notre Dame's defense, I come away really, really impressed by Notre Dame. I think this is a, this is a good team. I, I don't know if they're going to make a playoff. They have a tough schedule. But if Notre Dame plays like it did yesterday, especially defensively, based on what I've seen out of Clemson, based on what I've seen out of Ohio State, based on what I've seen from USC so far. USC, really good offense, by the way. Uh, they had 49 points against Stanford in the first half last night. Uh, <laughs> jury's out on the defense because Alex Grinch still runs it, but we'll see so that, what that looks like. That was good for like an 11-point lead or something? At right. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Because they played Stanford, it was 49-3. to mm-hmm. uh, This is a Notre Dame team that has those three really tough games on the schedule left this was this nc state game was tough but it's like the fourth toughest game on notre dame schedule on paper maybe third toughest after what i've seen from clemson so far and if notre dame gets through that ohio state clemson usc stretch of the schedule and wins the others if they get through that stretch like two and one and they're an 11 and one like team going into the conference championship weekend you're telling me they might not make the playoff i mean they're going to be in the conversation Depending on whatever the loss looks like, it's I mean, not Clemson. If it's not Clemson, they might they might sneak in there. Yeah, uh, this is a good team. This is a top six or seven team in the country from what I've seen so far. I think so. Yeah. No real shame for NC State, but this was this was a a loss in the trenches in the second half. I th- I thought NC State yeah acquitted themselves well here. Um, the real turning point of the game. I mean, you had early in the fourth quarter, you had Brennan Armstrong throws an interception. Sets up Notre Dame 33 yards for a touchdown and then 16 yards for a touchdown and then 54 yards for a touchdown. Three straight touchdown drives off of interception, interception, turnover on downs um, that, all you know, again, it required a maximum of 54 yards from Notre Dame. That's that's really where this thing turned was that, that first little bit of the for, fourth quarter. Um, so, I mean, credit to NC State again for getting there. I mean, I thought in the trenches, I thought their defense held up fairly well, but just you know, the offense just had such a time of it. It felt like um, really only a couple of good drives from that offense for the most part. And I, I think a lot of that is probably the quality of Notre Dame's defense, but some of it, I mean, how do we feel about this NC state offense so far with Robert and I and Brendan Armstrong, because something's missing. And part of me thinks that it might be that I think Brendan Armstrong might be the best player on that offense. And that's not exactly a compliment. Like, 
like the quarterback is noticeably better than all of his teammates. It seems like, like what is what what are we doing on this Wolfpack offense right now? I don't think the offensive line's that good. Yeah, I don't think the offensive line's that. I mean, the offensive line looked terrible yesterday, and yes, credit Notre Dame running the ball. Yeah, credit Notre Dame's front seven, like you said, but this offensive line's not very good for NC State. Now, will NC State play a defensive front like Notre Dame? Like the rest of his schedule, it's up for debate. They got they got some tougher. They have some tough defenses, right, on the schedule still, but they're going to have some easier ones too. But with the way NC State looked in the opener against UConn, because the offensive line didn't look particularly good in that game either, and we know that UConn's front is not Notre Dame's. I got some questions about about NC State's offensive line for sure. So. We'll see. I mean, I think it's a fair question. Are we a year early for Anai and Armstrong? I think the only reason you're a year early is because the O-line's not any good. And this is also a situation, too, where, you know, yes, Armstrong and Anai have chemistry, right? They've had success together at other stops. But, you know, they're coming into a situation, too, where this is Armstrong's first year with NC State he's not necessarily going to hit the ground running with his teammates as quickly as he did at UVA. You'll remember he sat behind Bryce Perkins for a year. He was in the program, right? Mm-hmm. And had Board chemistry. I think. Yes. That right. Quarterback wearing something in the nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. God. Uh, he had chemistry with his, that, that was crazy when that just Bronco thing circulated, by the way. Uh, he, I mean, he had the chemistry with his teammates and I don't think that can be understated. Now, the same thing could be said for like Notre Dame. Oh, Sam Hartman. He doesn't have chemistry with his teammates. I think it's a fair point, but I think Notre Dame's a more put together product offensively than NC State is, especially on the offensive line. So the O-line's a problem. I don't think it's an Anai and Armstrong issue necessarily. I think the offensive line's a problem, but it's kind of been a, a mediocre start, I would say. I think fans expect it more for sure. One other thing I'll call out there is, and, and looking back on it, and I'm trying to remember, and I might be remembering this wrong, but I feel like I was seeing a lot more um, creative formations and personnel groupings under Robert and I at Virginia yeah. than I've been seeing so far at NC State. Um, I don't know that he did a ton of it at Syracuse last year either, but that was always kind of one of the staples of this Virginia offense a couple of years ago with Anai and Armstrong in that group was like, oh, look, they've got like three running backs and and they're kind of shaped and like lined up differently. And, and like, what are they going to do here? Oh, that was cool. You know, like they did a lot of like really creative, unusual stuff. And this looks a lot more just like standard yeah. college football you know, maybe somewhat power ish spread version of the offense. Like it's, I haven't seen anything that I've been like, Oh, interesting. And, and, you know, watched a decent amount of both, both the games, you know, last weekend, this week. So um, something I'm going to continue monitoring here. I think that's fair. I think my, my concern with NC state is, that they really never turn that corner offensively, right? Like, Mm -hmm. this is kind of what we're going to get. And I I think they'll improve, certainly, but I don't think they're going to be this real explosive offense like we've been used to seeing maybe the last couple of years where they're hitting on all these big plays and, you know, they're giving their defense a bit of a break. 
I, I don't know that we're going to get that. I think we saw more of that with Devin Leary. And coming into the year, I thought that, you know, obviously with, you know, Tim Beck moving on, Devin Leary moving on, and it's kind of new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. They've had success together. I thought maybe that would be better for NC State, but now I'm looking at it, and I'm, based on the two-game sample size, I'm not sure that it is. Yep. That's all I got here, Mike. Anything else? Uh, no, I think we're set. We keep moving. Boston College 31, Holy Cross 28. Whew. Um, arguably the most impactful weather delay of the day, by the way. Um, this game was not impacted by weather at all until right about the moment that Boston College uh, had to punt with two minutes left in this game. Holy Cross got the ball on their own 10-yard line. Oh, except Boston College had like a, an unnecessary roughness call on the punt. So Holy Cross had the ball with two minutes left to go on their own 25-yard line, 75 yards to go down to win this game. Oh, but we just heard some thunder. So uh, we're going to go sit in the locker room for an hour and a half or however long it was. I don't even know how long it was. It was a came back out. Yeah, came back out, got a couple of chunk plays, got it down into scoring position, basically. I, I think they were in field goal territory. Uh, and then I think there was a turnover, and that was it. But um, – Holy cross, man. That was, whew. I, I will say this. Um, and I, I thought about mentioning this on the, on the, uh, the preview show and I didn't specifically call it out. Like, I think this is like a mission accomplished for Boston college. Honestly, like you just, just win the game. That's all you had to do. And it, it took a full 60 minutes, but you got there. Um, th- they won the game. That's what matters. No further questions. I mean, coming into the game, I thought less head would be a good thing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> come out of it, I'm not sure where we stand there. Uh, I'm glad you didn't prep me for that joke. Well Thomas Ca- Thomas Castellanos was like okay. I mean, his passing numbers look. He was 17 of 23 for 200 yards, right? Which on the surface seems fine. He had two touchdowns. His QBR was 23.3. The reason why is he had a bajillion short passes here, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of like, okay, they're completing the pass and moving on. This is Holy Cross. Like that's where I'm at here. This is Holy Cross. We got to get more out of the passing game. We just do. I, I don't. They they tried to look. They were ba- look BC's offense. They were balanced, right? Two hundred one mm-hmm. yards passing, two hundred two yards rushing, spectacular. Thirty one to twenty eight. Like this is a Holy Cross team that is a a good FCS program. They're a regional FCS, you know, a regional FCS school that wanted to win this game real bad. This was their Super Bowl. I get all that. I am not sold on Boston College. Mm-mm. I was real uninspired by the opener obviously i think that they looked pretty bad here especially defensively at times which gives me a lot of concern because again it's holy cross i again i get they're a good fcs program emphasis on the c this is man i agree with you mission accomplished you got the win you didn't lose the game how many games did bc win this year I get the non-conference I was, schedule. I was going to say, you know, I, I again, I I thought there was a chance that this is a program that could maybe bounce back and win like seven games this year. And especially, 
you know, the schedule is fairly forgiving in a few spots. And that was one of my thoughts after this game, Mike, was looking back at it and thinking they're one and one. We've been unimpressed so far. I think they've played the softest part of their schedule. Mm-hmm. They didn't look good against the easy games in the easy games. Like games you have left. I mean, Virginia, like, you know, the they'll take it to you a little bit. If you give them the chance, like UConn, they look good against NC state last week. Boston college is going to lose to UConn. Yeah. They're not going to win that game. They're not going to win that game at army army's game. Like army's army's going to throw. Yeah. Can BC stop now? BC was okay. in that like emphasis on the okay. Mm -hmm. Matthew Saluka threw for 130 yards yesterday, right? It wasn't impressive. He rushed for 131 yards and two scores. Army's got a quarterback who can run and throw it a little bit. Our Army's offense, by the way, is different. By the mm-hmm. way, like they're not the same offense anymore. They're not running that that veer option anymore. They've moved on from that because of the new blocking rules. They decide they want to go a different direction in their offense. It's a different Army offense this year. Mm-hmm. One yep. that BC hasn't been used to seeing the last few seasons. Got some questions going into that game too. Yeah. Point is, that at this point, this Boston College team does not look like they're going to a bowl game, and it's not even particularly close. Like, they're going to struggle to win like three more games out of the fo- the final ten. Like, yeah, it's not good. It's not good, and and I, I don't think that the expectations here are like sky high. I don't think you're expected to win eight nine games a year, but make a bowl game most every year. I think is a reasonable expectation. I don't think they're. I don't think they're going to meet that expectation. I think they're going to die next week. Yeah, they got a uh, Florida State coming in for the red bandana game. They're going to die. <laughs> Florida State might be wearing the red bandanas. This is going to be. I mean, this is. This is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. What did What did James Coleman say? He said they're going to oh, be. No. James Coleman came on the podcast and said that you know they were going to come in like the Crips. I was gonna say what was it? It was a blood something and like reference. that. Oh my gosh! Everyone, uh, if you want to hear yeah. it, go watch, go listen to the Florida State preview. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it. Um, yeah, not great. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did want to call out and that bear. Yeah, <laughs> I did want to call out when this game something that was kind of odd to me. Um, I, I looked up at one point and there was uh, like three and a half minutes left until halftime. And someone pointed out, and I saw this, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Holy Cross punted with about three and a half minutes left till halftime. Boston College took over to start the fifth possession of the game. The first four drives of this game, Boston College, 14 plays, 85 yards, touchdown, six minutes and eight seconds. Holy Cross, 15 plays, 75 yards, eight minutes, 53 seconds, touchdown. Boston College, 14 plays, 91 yards, touchdown, 7 minutes and 45 seconds. Holy Cross, 6 plays, 27 yards, punt, 3 minutes and 28 seconds. Twenty-seven, like 26 and a half minutes spent on the first four drives of this game. Like it was absolutely crawling. This was a, uh, a low possession game that I think was honestly the exact way that Holy Cross wanted to play it. Um, I, I, I don't know, just something I kind of found odd about it. But yeah, this is, you would have liked Boston College to win a little bit more comfortably here. But I think this is kind of telling for where the Eagles are at. And uh, by the way, it's it's not great for 
from Jeff Halfley. <laughs> not good. When you're, it's, it's when not your good. program, yeah, your program is, uh, you know, in year four now, COVID year, do we count that? You know, who, who knows? But you're in year four and you're playing a regional FCS team and you almost lost. And by the way, that regional FCS team is coached by a decided New England guy uh, who's got his team fifth in the FCS. You might have been staring down the guy that might be uh, looking to take your job. I was going to so, say, uh, I think uh, I think we careful. saw Boston College's replacement yesterday mm-hmm. uh, for Halfley. A good starting point. It would be. I think you need a regional guy for that job. Mm-hmm. Halfley's, Halfley's toast. And I don't know if it's his. I, I, of course, parts of it are his fault. But this was an imperfect fit from the start. And you mentioned the COVID year, Joey, and the fact that he's been there, you know, I guess four seasons now. This is fourth year. But the reason why the COVID year matters is because the COVID year was weird, and that was his only good year. That's why this matters mm-hmm. in the context of this conversation. So, yep. yeah, I don't think the job security is very good after the win, <laughs> to answer Caleb's yeah. question. Yeah, well, and I mean, I, I was I wasn't sure how much of it was, you know, Halfley doing a good coaching job versus Phil Dracovic being a, a, you know, a really high level college quarterback, which. Uh, let's put a pin in that. We'll come back to that here in just a minute. How about that? Do you want to just go there now? Might as well. Boston College 31, Holy Cross 28. They barely survived. Uh, Cincinnati 27, Pittsburgh 21. Pitt, what the hell was this? And by the way, this game was not close. This was 27 to 7, wasn't it? At one point, Pitt had to come storming back. This was not good. Yeah. Pittsburgh, really it's bad. Real bad. Um if 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 we had to like assign one trope to the Pittsburgh team, like the one thing that they are always consistently good at, what would it be, Mike? I would say stopping the run, Joey. Is forty-two carries for two hundred and sixteen yards uh, good at stopping the run in this case? I would because say I would say decidedly not good. In fact, doesn't seem doesn't seem like that's a good thing. Um, no. Yeah, Cincinnati ran the ball, you know, semi at will here. Um, we're able to move the ball consistently. Pittsburgh, by the way, speaking of, of high-level college quarterback Phil Dracovic, 10 of 32 for 179 yards and three touchdowns. That's a weird, sucks. A weird sucks. line. You completed 10 of 32 passes. Um, ha- I think I, I heard the stat earlier, by the way. I believe it was Bub Means for Pitt that was targeted 11 times you'll notice he's not on the stat sheet. He didn't have a single catch of the 11 targets. Um, yeah. I I'm not going to lie, didn't watch much of this game, didn't have a chance to. Weird day, just with the way that all these games started cascading and the time slots were all super thrown off. But um, I would imagine maybe one or two of those were drops. Some of those are probably off target. Um, This is a really frustrating loss for Pittsburgh. You should have been the better team here than than the Cincinnati team that has a new head coach kind of rebuilding. I mean, Emory Jones, 18 to 26 sounds bad. Uh, but 125, not that bad actually. It was a, you know a bunch of dink and dunk stuff. So I don't know. I'm I'm very underwhelmed by Pittsburgh in this game. Like I might need to rethink what Pitt is if if this is the best they can do on offense against a a, a decidedly rebuilding Cincinnati team. Phil Dracovic should not be throwing the football 32 times. And if he does, Kobe. he should be better than this. Yeah, Kobe. yeah, Kobe. I mean, this is this is the winner, by the way. I mm-hmm. uh, as far as like impact players are concerned. I mean, I'm sure we can find like someone else, but 
this is the winner this week. Phil Dracovic, 10 of 32 for 179. He did have three touchdowns. Uh, a couple of those were with the game out of reach. So mm-hmm. it's empty calorie touchdown passes for me. He is the winner. Uh, yeah. This is... It's another year, by the way, that Pitt is uh, not going to go through their non-conference slate with an undefeated record. So I just wanted to point that out, too. Thank you to Alexis Solaris for also pointing that out, is that yet again, Pitt will not go undefeated out of conference. Yeah, shout out to Alexis Solaris. Yeah, Pitt's just... The running game ain't it Mm -mm. either. And this is something that we're going to have to monitor because obviously they lost a really impactful running back to the NFL draft. And mm-hmm. now they are not, not really able to replace him so far. And Phil Dracovic, it turns out, is just not a very good quarterback. So what do you got on offense, Pitt? And I think the question for Jim Hammett that when you know we had him on to preview Pitt was what were they going to have at receiver? Mm-hmm. And now it's where they have it at running back. What do they have at quarterback? What do they have at receiver? O-line obviously isn't playing particularly well. What does Pitt have on offense? We talked about questions we have about NC State. Pitt's got more of them. Yeah. And when you're, by the way, we just glossed over this at the start. We mentioned this as a starting point, a jumping off point, then kind of just got into Pitt's offense. But Pittsburgh's rushing defense, looking as bad as it did yesterday, really concerns me. Because yeah. if you're not doing anything worth a damn on offense, and then you're going to give up almost two, over 200 yards on the ground, I'm not feeling particularly good about things. So big old, what are we doing here? Yeah. And I know, you know, coming into the year, I thought Pitt was one of those teams that could be, you know, a sneaky candidate to be a top four or five team in the league, even though they lost a lot, just because, you know, there is some talent. Like, is he a panda canda being gone? Shouldn't be the death knell for Pitt because their defense should be really good. And, you know, they can piece it together a quarterback and still have like a handful of good running backs because Pat Narduzzi historically has recruited very well at the running back position. And mm-hmm. they usually don't leave the cupboard bare. You got Sebo Flemister, who was a backup at Notre Dame to be to come in and be one of the primary running backs. And they gave him the ball a bunch yesterday and he didn't really do much with it. So yeah. They're just questions about Pitt moving forward. And this is a Pat Narduzzi coach team that is usually like a six or seven win team. You feel pretty good about that being like the floor and an eight or nine win ceiling. I don't see eight or nine with this offense and with the way his defense played yesterday. I'm not feeling particularly good about that either. Yeah, I'm very uninspired at this point with this pit team Um, in in particular, the offense. But as mentioned, I mean, the defense, not great either. Um, Yeah, not great. Not great. I, I expected more, you know, not only from Phil Dracovic, but also Frank Signetti Jr. I mean, again, maybe it's maybe it was just COVID year weirdness uh, there year one at Boston College under Halfley, but like it was better than this. And I, like you said, I don't know if it's a, a running back recruiting issue. I don't know, you know, if it's just all in the trenches. The, the receiver thing, as Jim Hammett mentioned, I mean, that's that was going to be a huge question mark. They are not answering the questions with good answers right now. I, right. I'm just, yeah. I this is making me like rethink Pitt a little bit the way that they lost this game. Yeah. And again, it's early. And, you know, the same thing goes, you know, we talked about Miami and Texas A&M and context is important. And yes, it did not look good for Pitt yesterday. Does that mean it's not going to look good the rest of the season? Like there's still talent on the roster and our is a good coach. Mm-hmm. They tend to get better as the season goes along anyway. Pitt will probably be OK, but we have questions right now. Certainly yep. have questions. This was a weird loss. Weird loss. It, it was. It was. Uh, Pitt 
loses 27-21 to Cincinnati. Uh, Mike, that recap brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, they got T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, all things, anything that you want. Thanks for men, women, children, something for the whole family. They got some stickers. They got some buttons, all sorts of good stuff. They got the coach hoodie back in stock, by the way. Um, Brent Key runs up and down the sideline. I don't know how he does it in September in Atlanta, but he's like wearing a hoodie on the sidelines. It's sleeveless, so that's fine. Um, so they've got that at Section103.com. All the official word marks, all the, the official tech gold, the ATL logo, everything. It's all officially licensed, super high quality. I love mine. Keeping me cool right now as we do this podcast. Uh, so go check out section103.com. It, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Shout out to Steven and the gang. Appreciate your partnership. Uh, we will continue... Uh, you know, going through this season, we appreciate uh, them sticking with us. And uh, thank you guys for supporting them as you uh, continue to do so. Yep. Mike, where to? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, JMU is the best college football team in the Commonwealth of Virginia. <laughs> JMU 36, UVA 35, Virginia is 0-2, Joey. They are damn Virginia. Damn. Like... So it was so close. Um, Let's start I, here. The, the the memorial pregame. Yes. Let's um, start there. Super emotional day in Charlottesville. Kind of as I, as I mentioned in the preview, I mean, it was going to be an emotional day. Um, and I mean, putting the numbers up on the stadium, he had the whole, the, the logo in the, in both of the end zones. Um, it was a, it was a beautiful, a beautiful day, a beautiful ceremony. Um, you know, all credit to Virginia for the way that they they handled that and they memorialized their teammates. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, just, you know, really nice and very emotional, I think, for for not only the, the Virginia, you know, the team and the players and the coaches, but the fans and, and the family and everybody in the stands. I mean, just beautiful day. And what does Mike Hollins do, by the way? Scored a couple touchdowns. I know that he scored a couple touchdowns. I mean, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool that, uh, you know, he had an impact on the game in that way, uh, given, you know, his involvement, obviously, as, as a victim. You know, he mm-hmm. he was shot and survived and, you know, to be out you, there and, you know, to be out there, period. But then to have this be an emotional day for him and then to go out and play the way he did. I just wanted to highlight that only had 12 Absolutely. carries for 28 yards, but the two touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty. It's pretty special on a day like that. So led led the team with twelve carries. I mean, I th- I thought he played his ass off. Um, yeah, I mean, just absolutely. You know, shout out to him. We were talking about him early in the day, if, especially if Virginia were to have won this game. I mean, absolute, pretty much a lock for ACC Player of the Week. I, I, I mean, yeah, yep. Huge shout out to him. Yeah, sure. even even with just the twelve carries for twenty eight yards, like if UVA finished this game with a win. I do feel like, well, we would have said something on the pod. We would have acknowledged it on the podcast either way. Mm-hmm. We're still going to, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the ACC would have taken a look at him, you know, just given mm-hmm. the outstanding circumstances of 
you know, the situation. I think all that, the context, all the yeah. context, everything else. I think he definitely would have been a candidate. So yep. that's my thought on that. Uh, Anthony Calandria. So really young quarterback, Joey. And he stepped in for Troy Musket, who was hurt. And by the way, Calandria looked pretty good. Mike, I, I think it was our, our old friend Banana Slug sent us a tweet this uh, on Saturday afternoon that said, who starts a quarterback next week for Virginia? And I, I didn't respond to the tweet on Twitter. I'm going to respond to it right now. How on earth do you start anyone but Anthony Calandria next week? He he went out there firing. He was hot in this game. 20-26 to 26 for 377, two scores. Uh, he did have an interception, but I mean, for what I expected from a true freshman, I didn't know much about him, but, you know, coming into the season, I see what he's ranked and, you know, all this stuff. I was blown away by Anthony Calandria in this game. He he was the guy that basically almost won this game for Virginia. Um, what a performance from him. I am very intrigued to see what he can do if they stick with him moving forward. I want to correct the record, by the way. I think it just said Troy Musket. I meant Tony Musket. But anyway, he didn't play Nobody on noticed. Saturday. Yeah, it, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, half of the UVA fan base doesn't know his name. It's fine. We're back, baby. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Tony Elliott comes out after the game and he says, yeah, quarterbacks lost. don't lose their. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not right now. They are direct um, quote. Right. A while ago. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. So Elliott says that quarterbacks don't lose their job due to injury. And my response is the hell they don't, especially when your team sucks. I don't see, I don't think there's any reason why Calandria shouldn't be the star next week. He has already looked better than Tony Musket in a small sample size. Yeah. I hate that quote because see the greatest player of all time, Tom Brady. Thank you. Yes. Bingo. Shout out Drew Bledsoe. Um, Shout out, but nice career. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. Like I, you don't lose your job necessarily for injury. You do lose your job because you don't look very good at it. And the guy comes in and replaces you. And all of a sudden he does look pretty good at it. So, right. I'll say this as a Georgia tech fan, he, Calandria in this game reminded me a lot of Zach Pyron last year. Mm -hmm. Like true freshman, gutsy performance, running around, absolute fearless, you know, throwing the ball into coverage, didn't care. Like it was fun to watch. It was electric. He was awesome in this game, I thought. And again, was a big part of the reason that they almost won. Yep. And this thing got really back and forth. It was. Real interesting. And... JMU scores with under a minute to go. And I was on a plane while this was live mm-hmm. and you were texting me. You and Scott were kind of go where, well, Scott was at tech. So I'm not sure how, how much you watch this Scott, but well, Scott was in a bar waiting on the rain. to yeah. stop. I was in tots watching this waiting for the rain, rain to stop on my phone, having a beer. There you so, go. Yeah. Only one. There you go. Only one. No, for sure. m- more than one. <laughs> more than, more two, than two two beers uh this more. was more. <laughs> more 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 uh this was a game where joey you were mentioning like hey by the way uva just scored hey by the way jmu's back up hey it was just back and forth in the way that i think we expected mm-hmm. i thought jmu would win this game and cover you did not think that they would cover and they didn't uh, but UVA didn't win this thing outright. And it says a lot about UVA in that 
they had to start a true freshman at quarterback and they were still very competitive here. It also says a lot in terms of the state of the Virginia football program that they could not win this football game. And JMU was a really good FCS program. They're still in the process of, you know, doing their full-fledged move up into the FBS. They couldn't play in a bowl game last year, right? Because it was their first year in the FBS. Garbage NCAA red tape, but yes. Correct. But JMU's a Conference USA team. Like, or Sunbelt. Sunbelt? Conference USA? Sunbelt? Sunbelt. Could be either one. I'd believe you. Sunbelt. 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 Thank you. They're a Sunbelt team. You got to be teams from the Sun Belt in your non-conference schedule. That's just fl- that's flat out. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. And I don't feel very good about it if I'm a UVA fan. And Tony Elliott saying after the game, I you know your quarterback doesn't lose his job, you know due to injury, is not the message I want to hear. I, I guess a locker room thing you kind of have to say in a press conference, but. Man, Tony Elliott coming out and being like, eh, I'm not sure, and being like very noncommittal. Calandria, I think, needs to be the starter next week. If even if Musk gets healthy, I think Calandria needs to be a starter. And you can say that you need both, you know, for the rest of the year. I get that. But this is a situation where UVA is not going to be very good. You have a true freshman who looks like he has something to him. And I think you got to ride that wave a little bit. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean the, the the game next week is at Maryland. That is a uh, that is a step up in competition. I think. Um, Adam Parker, here's a question: Does Tony Elliott get fired by the end of the year? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that they're gonna pull you know and and do that. But I I don't know. I guess it's it's possible. Um, if they don't win a game, they will. Maybe, yeah. I mean, if they go 0-12, I mean, he's not keeping his job. Yeah, no, probably not. I mean, UVA UVA is not going to be very good this year, but this should not be an 0-12 season. I just wonder sometimes, like, how much does context play in here? Like, do they give him another year just out of, you know, we, we couldn't expect anything from him. I don't know. Um, But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Again, like you said, I mean, if yeah. they go 0-12, like, Yikes. Like that's a step back from last year. How do you come back from that? I don't know. And in a realignment era, you can't be that bad. I do want to call out. Um, I'll, I'll mention this too, by the way, and and I don't feel good about this. I'm trying to give Virginia the roses as much as possible here. Um, Virginia caught an enormous break here. I th- so there was also, again, oh, there was a weather delay here. I think it was in the early, early in the fourth quarter, the fumble, um, it was yeah, it was a fumble, and, and it was to the point that uh, Roddy Jones, friend of the show, by the way, was on was the color color analyst on this game. Um, Virginia had the ball. I think maybe James Mass might have turned it over or something like that. Virginia had a, had a here's what it was. Virginia had the ball kind of back on their own territory. They had a long catch and run uh, that went down to like the twelve. Basically, they were set up, you know, with, with you know almost first and goal, and um, there was a, a handoff that after you know as the play was ending it was like the ball came out review showed the ball was out Mm -hmm. and it was definitively recovered immediately by james madison like this is a fumble and is a turnover they went and reviewed it 
decided, no, call in the field stands. Runner was down by contact. Yep. Next play, Virginia scores. Touchdown. And Roddy Jones was going in on the, the officials on the broadcast because it was that clear. Like, this was a this was a turnover, and instead Virginia scores a touchdown off of it. So there was that. There was I think there were one or two other moments during the game that I can remember that, that they caught breaks on. So they needed breaks, you know, but they – they cashed in on them when they did. Um, so it, it maybe shouldn't have been as close as it was, but at the end of the day, the other thing I'll call out, by the way, at the end of this game, Virginia had fourth and 20, I think, on their own, was it 15-yard line, something like that. And the first three plays of this desperation drive had done nothing at all. And on fourth down, Anthony Calandria running around, heaves one up down the right sideline and I will be damned if he did not have a man wide open, like past the defense. It was a, it was a walk-in touchdown. If it's a completed pass and this ball comes down about a yard and a half past his receiver. I mean, just as a, that's a heartbreaking, you know, gut punch way to lose this game, but it was there. If that throw is just a little bit more on target, um, so just wanted to make sure I called yep. that out that they were that close to actually winning this game on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Like within they, fingertips, fingertips. I was say, it was, you know, a foot, foot and a half. Like it was not much. Yeah. Kevin Carpenter, UVA versus uh, Boston College will be interesting here in a few weeks. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> Cover your eyes game of the week <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got here, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, cover the cover your eyes game of the year. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's going to be a worse one than that. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's some sicko stuff. That's for sure. JMU 36, yeah. Virginia 35. Cavaliers cover. They do not win outright. Let's just get this over with because it's another Virginia team, and I don't want to discuss this any more than they have Let's to Purdue 24 Purdue 24 Virginia Tech 17 this was like an eight-hour rain delay <laughs> I, this is like the longest first quarter in recorded history uh, it, it, the first quarter of this game lasted like six and a half hours which yeah I, the I, game I the game was 15 minutes delayed starting and only played 10 minutes of game time or less mm-hmm. before it was suspended. I know I was there and I was a very soggy boy. <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah, this was not David, good. David Cunningham, Joey, D- David Cunningham, oh, yeah. friend Our of the boy. show, said friend that, of the show. Yeah, said that this very, very much so said that there is. He went through the record books. As far as he is aware, there was not a longer rain delay, weather delay on record for Virginia yeah. Tech. This was it. This was a game set to start at noon Eastern that I think ended, what, like almost eight o'clock? No, yeah. nine. Almost nine. Nine? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was still trying to get on a flight out of Pittsburgh at that point. <laughs> I put out a hope. I, 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 did I, did I tweet about this or did I? T- I know I texted you guys about this. We were trying to figure out what would end first, the Virginia Tech Purdue game or me getting home to Virginia. Yeah. I almost got home to Virginia and got to watch, like sit down and watch it. If you had so, gotten the rental car, you were in, you were in business. You would have seen this game. I would have. 
I would have would have been rolling up to uh, rolling up to the crib right around time the fourth quarter. For context, the five hour and thirty seven minute delay would have been enough time for me when I was a student to leave Virginia Tech and make it home to Delaware and watch the game. <laughs> That's how long of it was. Good grief, um, Mike! Help me. I need to understand something. Yes. Yeah. What what are we doing here with Grant Wells? What are we What are we doing? This guy's not good. Why Why do we keep playing him? Just try something else. For the love of God, try some anything else. Anybody run the Wildcat. I don't care. I don't need to see any more Grant Wells. He's not good. He's bad. Uh, this is a uh, Virginia Tech offense that uh, has a very poor interior offensive line and that cannot run the football. And so Grant Wells, okay, right? Yeah. Well. We're going to see a running quarterback, I think. So Grant Wells, uh, he is, I've, I've mentioned this on my Virginia Tech podcast. I'm not sure I've mentioned it here yet. I think we've already seen the ceiling of Grant Wells, Joey, and I think it was at Marshall two years ago. I think that was the ceiling of Grant Wells. There's going to be some good and a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty good in the opener against Old Dominion. He had a little bit of a slow start in the first quarter, ended up being pretty good. Uh, Purdue is like a real defense. And he didn't look particularly good in this game at all. Uh, Very up and down. And Wells, I I think we know what we're getting here. We're getting a mediocre passer, uh, a mediocre decision maker, I would say that, with varying levels of accuracy and a pretty big arm. So there's going to be some throws he makes where you're like, wow, that's really good. And there's going to be a lot of throws he makes where you're like, wow, that was either a poor decision or a bad throw. And Virginia Tech's offense right now is not good enough running the football uh, to, in my opinion, warrant a mediocre passer back there, Joey. I wanted to bring this up. I I did some research before the podcast tonight uh, because there's a lot of parallels here, in my opinion, between this Grant Wells, Kyron drone situation and a situation Virginia Tech was in in 2019 with Ryan Willis and Hendon Hooker. You know, Ryan Willis was the guy who had the big arm and was very inconsistent. And then you had Hendon Hooker behind Willis in 2019, who was a raw quarterback prospect who was pretty highly thought of, right? Um, you know, as, as a prospect at the high school level, was a four-star recruit and hadn't really played a lot. There are a lot of parallels here. And the reason I bring that up is because Virginia Tech did not run the ball particularly well in 2019 when Ryan Willis was the starting quarterback. Uh, Virginia Tech's team rushing stats here by by quarterback starter in 2019. I want to bring this up real quick. Ryan Willis went two and two as the starter in 2019. Virginia Tech as a team rushed the ball for 160 for 595 yards on 167 carries and four touchdowns. That's about three and a half yards per carry. Okay. Hendon Hooker, six and two record as a starting quarterback. He had 362 carries as a team. 1,598 yards and 18 touchdowns. Obviously a much larger sample size, right? Played in double the amount of games that Willis did. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech averaged 4.41 yards per carry, almost a full yard more when Hennon Hooker was a starting quarterback. The reason why I bring this up, Joey, is because Kyron Drones, I get that he's a raw prospect. He is the more talented runner. He's the more talented athlete. And Virginia Tech is really, really struggling to run the ball right now with Grant Wells in the game. Just mm-hmm. like they were struggling to run the ball with Grant, with uh, Ryan Willis when he was a starting quarterback. 
I think Virginia Tech, for that reason, needs to pull the trigger here. This has more to do, to me, about the offensive line being as poor as it is, rather than Grant Wells himself. Is Grant Wells the better passer? As of right now, we think so, right? Because I think if he was not the better passer, I think Kyron Drones would have gotten the starting quarterback job from the jump. He was in competition at camp for a reason, even though Grant Wells was the starter last season. My opinion here is that the offensive line is playing so poorly and the running game is so bad that I think Kyron Drones can only help that, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think there's going to be such a severe drop-off in the passing game uh, because of the quarterback. We'll get to the receiver injuries, by the way, here in a moment. Um, because of the quarterback position, I don't think there's going to be such a severe drop-off in the passing game that Kyron Drones would not be worth the gamble at this point. Yeah. So that's my opinion. Uh, I agree with that. And that's that, that's the thing is that it's clear at this point that defenses don't have to respect Grant Wells as a runner. Right. And, and that you, you can do a lot of things differently when you only have a you know a running back or whatever to respect in the run game. When you have to respect a quarterback as well, that really starts to limit what you can do on defense that can open up some other things uh, for the offense. If, if you've got a quarterback who can contribute in the run game, the, the idea of being, you know, quote unquote, plus one in the run game, um, you know, how many guys are in the box that like some of these like very like minute things um, in terms of scheme and play calling and all that, like there's a big difference when your quarterback is mobile versus when he's not. And yeah. Grant Wells is not good enough of a passer to negate, what he doesn't give you in the run game. So I'm with you. Like, just hell, let's just try it. Can we just try it? Like with, you know, Kyron drones and, you know, if your passing game isn't as good, but you know, you get something else out of the run game, maybe that works. And I've, I've talked about this on, you know, Virginia tech's defense struggled in the first quarter before the weather delay. Mm -hmm. They played pretty well after that. Mm -hmm. And I've been on the record here. I said it last week. I think Virginia tech's defense, if, they shore up some stuff with their run fits, which I thought, by the way, for the most part, were better on Saturday compared to a week ago against Old Dominion. I, you know, I think Purdue is a better offense, right? A tougher offense to defend. It's kind of this modified air raid. Graham Harrell's the OC. It's a Mike Leach system just mm-hmm. with some, you know, they want to run the ball a little bit more. But I thought Virginia Tech did a better job on the defensive side of the football than they did against Old Dominion. And that's pretty encouraging. So I think if you get Virginia Tech's defense, right, and you get a even mediocre offense on the field, because right now this is a this is a bad offense. It looked kind of mediocre in the opener and it looked flat out bad on Saturday against Purdue. This is a bad offense right now. Again, it's mm-hmm. better than last year, but it's still bad. And Ali Ali Jennings probably broke his ankle, by the way. I just want to mention that. The the one like big time pass catcher and the other guy who's in the slot. Jalen Lane, he got hurt late in this game. So those are two big-time playmakers that Lane might return. But Jennings, it's not looking good. It looks like he might be out for a while, potentially. We should find out later this week. But he was in a boot, so not great. I think the last play before the weather delay, too. Yeah. Just super unfortunate. And he got rolled up, ironically, by Jalen Lane on a passing Mm play. Uh, Lane made a catch, and you know Jennings was blocking and didn't work out. Uh, kind of got rolled up on. So that's really unfortunate. It sucks. But yeah, the Virginia Tech offensive line is not very good. Uh, the quarterback position is not really giving you much of anything right now. A lot of Virginia Tech fans are really complaining about the play calling with Tyler Bowen, which I I look at this and I'm like, I kind of shrug at it because I thought the play calling was pretty good against Old Dominion. And I went back and I watched this game against Purdue 
And I'm going to be honest, because I know a lot of Virginia Tech fans listen to this. I don't think it's the play calling. Like, what's he supposed to be calling? <laughs> what's he's like? What are you supposed to do? Like, okay, we can we can pass out blame about you know the decisions at quarterback. Fine, we we can do that. But if Tech goes with Kyron drones and the offense looks similar to how it looked against Old Dominion, and it's just kind of mediocre, Virginia Tech could make a bowl game. Like they got they got Rutgers, they got Marshall, they got some winnable games in the ACC. BC and UVA are on the schedule. They can still Both certainly very winnable, very winnable. There's some winnable games on the schedule. So get a mediocre offense out there with a defense. That I think is playing average to slightly above average right now that I think could get a lot better. And you might have a little something here to at least get yourself as a fringe bowl team, which as I've said all along would be an unqualified success in year two for pry unqualified success. If you, if you win six, no complaints from the fan base, but I think you, got to turn to Kyron drone sooner rather than later. And if he mm-hmm. sucks, you have a quarterback problem. And that really falls on the head coach, and the entire staff at that point, because in a portal era, like you got to find a quarterback. Everybody in the fan base right now is comparing the situation at Duke with what Mike Elko's done through, you know, 14, 15 games versus what Brent Pry has done. The big difference there is Elko got himself a quarterback, like Leonard's a quarterback. Virginia Tech doesn't have a Riley Leonard on the roster and they need one desperately. That that guy that they just saw against Purdue, Hudson Card. How long has he been there? Uh, th- this is first year, Joey. Okay, yeah, I thought it seems like it's only just been a few months. I think he just transferred in there. Yeah, that's... why didn't Virginia Tech go get Hudson Card? If he was Hudson on the market, Card, clearly. If Hudson Card was the starting quarterback, Joey, and Virginia Tech had you know what they were bringing in on offense with the receiving core. And the the right like Bashel Tootin at running back, who you know big time FCS running back, and you saw what you saw out of this defense. They're We're cooking with gas, o. baby. Mm-hmm. Probably two mm-hmm. and zero. We're cooking with gas a little bit here. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. This is a this is a in, this is an incomplete product that Virginia Tech is fielding mm-hmm. right now, and we know it. And we saw a little bit of everything on Saturday, and none of it was surprising. This is yep. a, a very, this is what it's going to be this year for Virginia Tech. We said it on the season preview with David. Like, there's going to be some good. There's going to be some bad. There's going to be some growing pains. This team still has to figure out how to win. This was going to be a game where I thought Virginia Tech could, could go out and, you know, would be a good measuring stick game. Year one coach, right, with Ryan Walters, new quarterback, new offensive scheme. They're coming to you in Blacksburg. Yes, there was a weather delay. Things got weird. But this was a game that was certainly winnable. And I think mm-hmm. if Grant Wells makes a couple more throws in this game, Virginia Tech probably comes out on the other side of this. Yeah. And he just didn't make he didn't make enough throws. And that's the bottom line. He did not make enough throws. And Virginia Tech cannot run the football right now. Yep. And that's the bigger glaring issue. And I think Kyron Drones will help fix that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, changes the math. Um, the, the big thing I'm I'm monitoring at this point is either if if we A don't see some big step forward from Grant Wells that we haven't seen yet in, you know, more than a year in Blacksburg and B we don't see a quarterback change, you know, you know, going to drones or help pick, pick someone else. I don't care. Try something else. If we don't see either of those things, I'm going to start having questions about what, you know, how this Brent pry thing is going because clearly this isn't, this isn't working very well. Like you have to show me something different. And, uh, if, they, if they're not willing to change, I'm going to be very concerned. 
this is the wrong time to be hard-headed. Mm-hmm. You're in the middle of a rebuild. You have nothing to lose. The the fan enthusiasm's there. The fan base is behind this coaching staff. There's no reason not to make a change. Yeah, we're uh, like trying to be optimistic, hoping for six and six here. It's not not a high uh, not a high bar to clear. Like you you know you've got some wiggle room here to try some stuff if you want. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a year or two, like yeah. a, additional additional year or two, and the recruiting's there, and the staff's doing well on the trail. Just show some on field progress, mm-hmm. and that will continue to help recruiting. And the NIL's good and all that stuff. This is how a rebuild goes. Virginia Tech fans aren't used to it because they haven't been through many of these. This is how a rebuild goes. It mm-hmm. goes up and down. This was one of the down moments. And this is the time, in my opinion, to make a quarterback change. Don't wait till give give drones a few games under his belt. Give him Rutgers. Going on the road to Rutgers is not really that intimidating. Like, give him the Rutgers game. See how he plays. If he plays well there, give him the Marshall game. Then you come back to Lane Stadium and you play Pittsburgh in the ACC opener. Pitt's defense can be had if you figure out how to run the ball a little bit. Right? Pitt's defense can be had a little bit. And then you go to Tallahassee. Let's not wait until the Pitt game to give drones the keys before he goes to Tallahassee and Tech gets their dicks kicked in. Like, let's let's have let's have some time here to, like, have an understanding of the offense in like real live action other than a handful of snaps here and there. Yep. We'll see how it goes in Piscataway next week at Rutgers. Texas, um, Texas three point dog right now. That's it. Wow. <laughs> I thought it might be more than that. Okay. All right. Purdue 24, Virginia tech 17. Mike, you want to keep rolling? Where to? We only have a couple more that are relevant, and one is very relevant that we haven't talked about yet, and we have to. Let's talk about UNC App State. North Carolina 40, App State 34 in double overtime. Um, Mike, I texted you this, and and then I mentioned it to my wife, and she was very confused, had no idea what it meant. So I'm hoping you kind of know what I meant by it when I said that watching North Carolina app state every year is kind of like being the sober guy walking into the bar at 1245 AM and just like trying to make a lick of sense of what you're seeing because North Carolina was almost a three touchdown favorite in this game. And next thing you know, they are absolutely dicking around with the Mountaineers in the fourth quarter. And you're just wondering like, what is like, how did this happen? North Carolina should be so much better than App State at this point. And I realized what the game was last year, which, by the way, 63-61. I don't even remember if that was an overtime. That might have been regulation. Um, App State looked bad the rest of last year. They have been yeah. underwhelming ever since that, that game last year that we saw. North Carolina looked awesome last week. Turns out maybe, maybe their defense hasn't turned into the 85 Bears. Um, maybe... <laughs> App State has a better offensive line than South Carolina does, which, you know, that's that's something to consider. Um, North Carolina escapes here. Mac Brown made comments after the game like, I, I'm done playing App State. Like, yeah, we go in here with everything to lose. They have nothing to lose and they play like it and they are a pain in the ass to play and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I. North Carolina escapes here. I, I think the hope was that it was going to be a much easier road than it was, but uh, hey, a win's a win. 
So are we going to chalk this up to just regional rivalry weirdness, or are we going to chalk it up to NC? You know, UNC's defense isn't that good, or are we going to chalk it up to look? If this is how North Carolina's got to win games this year, this is how they'll win games because Amari and Hampton was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, two hundred and thirty-four yards on twenty-six carries. He had three scores. Uh, Drake May did not throw a touchdown pass in this game. That that's a weird thing too. They score forty points. He did not throw a touchdown pass. He had yeah. a touchdown run. Did not throw a touchdown pass. Very odd. Um, Only a shade over two hundred yards passing, by the way. Yeah, just a really weird game. Yeah. A really weird game. And App State ran all over North Carolina. We 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 were talking, you know, after the week one games and how UNC looked against South Carolina and how they got after the quarterback and you know how they were able to stifle the run a little bit for South Carolina and how it looked like the defense had maybe turned a corner. Man, they gave up 219 on the ground here to App. Nine sacks, 16 tackles for loss last week. They had no sacks and four tackles for loss in this game. Joey, a lot of they're Chizikin again. <laughs> they're doing it again. Or, I mean, <laughs> if you don't want to put all the blame on Chizik, they're Jay Batemaning again. Like, this is kind of what macking it. They're uh, this is a family podcast, Joe. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> they uh, yeah, they, they, I would say they are macking it a little bit. This is something they've been known for under Mac Brown. They have not been able to really tackle with any sort of consistency. And the tackling was real poor in this game by North Carolina's defense, like real poor. Like anytime an App State receiver or running back got to a second level, man, it was scary hours for the North Carolina defense. Yeah, not not good. Um, I, I, I don't know what to do with this game. Um, but I, at the very least, I think that what I take from it is that Whatever we saw last week in terms of like, oh, North Carolina's defense is massively improved. I I think that was some week one South Carolina issues. Like, I I don't think that that was all just North Carolina having fixed everything that was wrong with their defense. I think that's my big takeaway here is that, no, 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 this is still kind of the North Carolina defense that we all know and don't love so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... uh... I think that's certainly fair. Can we talk about just the end of regulation real fast and sure. how this game even, you know, even got to overtime? In how the did first we place? get here? All right. So North Carolina's got a kicker named Brian Coe. Um, he was lining up to kick a field goal at the end of regulation that would have given North Carolina the win, right? Would have won the game. Uh, Sean Clark. App State's head coach. We see us all the time in college football. Call the timeout to ice the kicker. Good sound. Good sound bite. We needed this. Uh, what does Ryan Co do? Kicks it wide left. And not only wide left, duck hook, Joey. Timeout on the field. Timeout. So then what happens? Oh, I have an idea, Joey. We're going to just put my hands on my head. I'm going to be really upset about things, right, if I'm Sean Clark? Thinking, oh, my God, this thing could have gone to overtime. We missed it. Guess what? Ryan Coe, lo and behold, does the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Duck hook left. 
we're going to overtime. Ended up not mattering. He hit two other field goals on the day, right? Uh, obviously, North Carolina goes on to win the game double overtime. But the the timeout on the field where you're waving your hands there, going from that to Sean Clark just looking like, oh, my God, what did I do? Was incredible television. And then to only see Ryan Coe miss the field goal again, a big-time college kicker situation emerging there in Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just want to mention that. It was funny. Uh, yeah, important call out. Not not funny for Ryan Coe, but funny for everybody else. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot else here. Just again, uh, are we sure North Carolina's like actually changed? Like this is this nah, is no. you know no they're, they're uh, the uh, the, the ex boyfriend like oh no he you know he's different now it's like is he I don't know I don't know how many boyfriends you've had Mike but you know all my ex boyfriends <laughs> like I always think that they're different and they're not low I'm low in the boyfriend department if you can believe it <laughs> so North Carolina forty App State thirty four in double overtime uh let's talk talk about Wake Forest say so we're running out of FBS matchups here uh. Wake 36, Vandy 20. Uh, speaking of taking advantage of opportunities here, um, I, I thought Vandy made a couple of clear mistakes here, and Wake was all over it. Um, they Wake blocked a punt and ran it back for a touchdown, if I'm remembering right. I'm trying to, I'm struggling to keep all these games straight. Um, this game was played for maybe like 12 minutes, and then there was a weather delay, and I, I think there was only one. There might have been multiples at this. Yeah, again. Super weird day. Um, I thought Mitch Griffiths looked good. Um, I, I just I, I thought Wake looked like the better team. Um, Vandy looked a little bit more like they were floundering and just kind of trying to keep up in ways that Wake didn't really have to. So um, credit to Wake. I mean, again, had had opportunities, looked good, converted, and uh, won this game. Kind of going away. I have some concerns about Vanderbilt's defense. And specifically in the front seven, especially as they get into SEC play, because Demon Claiborne ran for 165 yards and looked really damn good doing it. And this is not the best offensive line that Vanderbilt has. Um, it will be facing on their schedule. Let's just put it that way. Wake's I've, offensive I've watched, line is fine, but I have some concerns about Vanderbilt. I've watched significant chunks of a couple of Vanderbilt games now, including this one and the one against Hawaii. And, um, they're less impressive than I was expecting after kind of, yeah. they, I think they, did they almost make a bowl game or they did make a bowl game last year? Like close. Yep. I, I feel like there's been some regression from last year to this year in a lot of ways for Vandy. Yeah. So I just don't think, uh, I mean, they're two and one, but I'm not sure that they're going to win a lot of games here. Wake forest. You got to win this game and you did. Right. And I thought Griffiths looked good. You know, the 196 yards and two touchdowns. This game was one on the ground, and they mm -hmm. were very opportunistic in terms of taking advantage of some Vanderbilt mistakes. And, yeah, this is a Wake Forest team that I think we wanted to see how the offense looked against some actual competition. And, you know, coming off of a very easy FBS-FCS win last week <laughs> and to win this game by 16 against an SEC team, it's... A good feeling for Wake Forest fans, I'm sure. Damon Claiborne and Tate Carney, a combined 39 carries for 282 and a touchdown on the ground. That'll do. Yeah, that will do. That'll do. So that's a good win for Wake. Very good win for Wake. Um, getting one over on the SEC, um, which, you know, 
one of a few games that have been gotten over on the SEC, not just this weekend, but also last weekend. Um, SEC struggling a little bit out of conference so far this year, just throwing that out there. Yeah, and Alabama got that ass beat last night. We were talking about like mm-hmm. Texas A&M getting that ass beat. Alabama kind of got that ass beat last night. South Carolina got that ass beat last week. Uh, Florida got that ass beat last week. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, LSU lost last week. I mean, the ACC mm-hmm. holding up well and out of conference play right now, especially against the SEC. So, shout out to the league. Yeah, for sure. That's all I have here. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got as well. Thirty six twenty Wake defeats Vandy. Is uh, the last FBS game Florida State sixty six Southern Miss thirteen? So we got we have a I think it is. But the one thing I want to say here is I think there is an FBS FCS game, Joey, that I want to get to that I'm going to have a lot more to talk about than Florida State. Can we go here first? Can we go Clemson 66, Charleston Southern 17? Can you can you humor me with that for a minute? This might be the time for uh, producer Scott to cue uh, yakety sacks back up. Um, so if you're looking at this final score and you're thinking to yourself like, Oh, this isn't this isn't a close game. Like easy, easy win for Clemson. Uh, this was twenty four to seventeen at halftime. Yeah, uh, Clemson. Like what on earth? I'm not feeling particularly good about Clemson, and I. <laughs> I know that this was a situation where Clemson was behind early and they scored whatever it was the final 50 plus points in this game. But I don't come out of this feeling great about Clemson. It shouldn't take a half to put away Charleston Southern. And the end result for Cade Klubnik is he throws for 315 and four touchdowns. He had an awful pick six. Uh, Clemson had a fumble early in this game. This is a Clemson team that offensively leaves a lot to be desired. A lot to be desired still. I don't know. I don't think Clemson's beating Notre Dame, by the way. I don't think they're beating Notre Dame. No. I don't think they're beating I don't think they're beating Florida State. So they've already lost a game, obviously. I think this could be like a three or four loss Clemson team after two weeks. That's how I feel about things, unless they really get things turned around. So one of the funny things was that Charleston Southern, this was tied at 14, I think, towards the end of the first quarter. And Charleston Southern had 14 points and like eight yards of offense or something. Yeah. Yep. Um, part of that was because Cade Klubnick threw an interception that Charleston Southern ran back to like the two-yard line or something. Mm-hmm. Mike, this interception was one of the worst decisions I have ever seen a Power 5 quarterback make. I mean, yeah, throwing, it was bad. like backpedaling, throwing off his back foot, just sort of heaves it to nowhere, like all the yep. way across the field. I, I, I was, I was stunned watching this. Like, how on earth are you doing this? Yeah. Um, Clemson looks so sloppy. Yeah. So sloppy, and that is really concerning. After, especially after a wake up call like they had on Monday, like. Just come out and be crisp and know what you're doing and be focused and stuff. They didn't do that at all. They looked Mm -mm. bad in the first half Mm -mm. of this game. 
And that's unbelievable yeah. to me. And it is very concerning. Yeah. So I think they're in. I know Clemson fans are probably listening to this and they're like, yeah, well, it was 66 17. It's fine. Don't defend this. It's Clemson not fine. Fans. It's, it's not, not fine. It's not fine. I don't think Adam Parker thinks it's fine. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> he's uh, he's in our chat. I, I don't think he thinks it's fine. It's not fine. And maybe we're overreacting by saying this could be three or four lost Clemson, but I think they're losing to Florida State. I think they're going to lose to Notre Dame if they play like this, based on what we've seen out of Notre Dame so far. Yeah, and we're talking about nine and three at best. Nine and three it could at be best. worse. I mean, I don't think we're I, maybe we're overreacting, but I'm not sure that we are. So mm-hmm. this thing needs to get back on the tracks in quite a hurry if Clemson wants to be a team that I think a lot of people thought they would be. I think playoff is out of the question, obviously, with how things are looking at the moment. I think they would have to look a lot better than they have. I'm just thinking, like, man, what's the state of the program if Clemson loses four? Well, if you recall, Mike, you did predict that Clemson would go eight and four on your uh, note in the preview for this week. So... I did. I did mention that. I sent that, that over was text. Before. That was before, before this. Before. I think my exact text was, man, it's unfortunate I'm not going to be able to be there in person when I get off my Clemson's going eight and four take on the podcast. And that was before this Charleston Southern Outlaw called debacle, but this really sloppy start. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they won 66-17. It's not really a debacle, but how they got there is a little unorthodox and gives me a decent amount of concern. Yep. As we go through the rest of the year. So wanted to mention there's, that. There's your exact quote on the screen highlighted. <laughs> oh, let me see. Just here. for everyone to see. Yeah. Confirmed. I have yep. that same text. Yep. <sighs> it's bad. But hey, Mike, it was 66-17. Clemson wins. Totally fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, let's go rapid fire through the rest. There's not a lot to hit on here, I don't think, for the rest of these games, if you're good with that. Uh, I'm good. Let's start with the team that Adam Parker just mentioned could put up a 30 point margin on this Clemson team, which uh, I think he might be. He might be correct with the way things are going. This, yeah, the the spread here, <laughs> at least 17. Like, I mean, right? Now, yeah, I mean, this game is being played in a couple of weeks. What if it was played tomorrow? I think it's probably multiple scores. Yeah, probably 66-13, Florida State over Southern Miss. Uh, basically, as we said in the preview, this is a name your score game, and uh, Florida State did not disappoint. Yeah, real good here. Travis was good. Offense looked mm-hmm. really good. Southern Miss did not look good. Surprise. Hit the hit the over themselves. Also, one final note on Clemson. They played so bad that they dropped out of the AP pool. There you have it. It's probably deserved. Probably deserved. Yeah. Um, was mentioned, by the way, that apparently there's some like recruiting politics stuff going on in the state of Florida that uh, Florida State is so portal heavy that they don't want to let freshmen play at all and Florida State was going to try to let freshmen play and score as much as possible. So I don't know who's a freshman and who's not, but I know Trey Benson isn't. He had three touchdowns on the ground. Yep, pretty good. Um, Jordan Travis, Tate Rotomaker, not freshman. They had four passing touchdowns. So, yep. you know, for what that's worth. But yeah. In any case, 66-13, big winners. Um, I'll just kind of cruise to the rest. I think there's, uh, there's one more FBS game. Sorry. Syracuse, 48, Western Michigan, 7. Um, I, I feel like nobody noticed my tweet in the fourth quarter of this game that I thought that Syracuse was headed for a weather delay. Um, I was pretty proud of that one. Um, you know, the whole JMA wireless like, dome thing, playing, you know, playing a dome thing. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Syracuse was up. Oh, let's do some math. Forty-five to seven at halftime here. So uh, that'll do. And that is the time they brought in the backups. So yeah, thanks. For um, yeah, they just cruised through the second half here. Uh, they have won their first two games, sixty-five to nothing and forty-eight to seven. Um, I, you know, that looks and sounds really, really good, and it is. But that's Colgate and Western Michigan, and I feel like those are the two easiest games on the schedule. So we'll see how things go next week when they go to West Lafayette and play Purdue. Probably favored. Did Syracuse win the offensive court? Probably favored. Uh, did Syracuse win the offensive coordinator trade-off with NC State? My column. <laughs> uh, I look forward to reading that column, honestly. Um, yeah. We'll see about that. All right, FCS games real quick. Uh, go back to Thursday night, Louisville 56, Murray State nothing, a shutout. Um, depending on – so Louisville covers, I think the spread was like 44 or something like that on game day. And depending on where you got the total, it was somewhere between 55 and a half and 56 and a half. And uh, <laughs> I hope you got the right side of that number because that was uh, that was right where they ended up. Um, I think the other note that I had – Louisville looked good, took care of business, no problems, easy, easy, easy. Um, I think the one note that I, I saw was I think Louisville played all nine quarterbacks on their roster in this game. So that's kind of fun. Shout out to Jeff Brom. Shout out to Jeff. I was heavily intoxicated during this game, so I have nothing to add. <laughs> Bachelor party. It's okay. It happens. Yes. 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 Not just parenting. Continue. <laughs> Duke 42, Lafayette 7. Uh, no notes. Duke cruises here. Easy. Looks uh, good. 21 to seven at halftime. So yeah, old dicey, I guess, but I mean, this is, this is what you want. Lafayette put up more of a fight than Clemson did. Riley Leonard and Henry Boleyn combined to go 20 of 20 through the air. Uh, that seems pretty good. Yeah. Not, not bad at all. Yeah. Two touchdowns and like 254 yards. So pretty good. Yep. Uh, what else? Let's see. Where else we got? Um, Georgia Tech, 48. South Carolina State, 13. Um, easy win. Honestly, a game that, you know, it, it could have been a little bit closer, maybe. But I think there's there's a little bit of some uh, self-loathingness, maybe with the Georgia Tech fan base of like, you know, you see the like two mistakes that were made. And you're like, gosh, this team sucks. Um, it's It's not like that. But there are definitely some busts from this defense that we've seen the first couple of weeks that are very concerning, especially with Ole Miss coming up. Um, so I am very nervous about that. But otherwise, you know, th- this could have been worse. I don't know. It- this is this is fine. Okay. Good I mean, for Zach. South Carolina State. So, you know, just yeah. take, take your money and run. One by 35. Yep. No, no real, no issues here. I think that's it, Mike. Did I miss anything? I uh, did not. Okay. Uh, do we have awards to give out? We didn't plan this. We're not really uh, big on planning on this show. I mean, volume volume shooter of the week is Phil Trakovic. Mentioned it has that. to be ten for thirty three. Terrible. Nice. Uh, he was really bad. Uh, my player of the week is Mike Collins for UVA. Two touchdowns, mm-hmm. just given the context. And I know UVA lost and all that, but that's not what matters here. He's my player of the week. Uh, I mean, I think the Go ACC moment of the week is just games being played with the weather. Uh, yeah uh the, yeah team of the week is probably the weather channel um yeah like, <laughs> yeah 
Team of the Week's weather channel. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll, yeah. Uh, since you're calling out Mike Collins, I'll give Player of the Week to Tyler Van Dyke. I thought he looked awesome in that game. The, um, the, the actual Player of the Week, based on his play, is Tyler Van Dyke. Some doubt. of the best he's he's done. Anthony Calandria, I'll, I'll give the runner-up to. Again, he played his ass off. Um, really, really impressed there. So shout out to those guys. Uh, you said go ACC member of the week is yeah dealing with weather. That's all fun. You try you, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial. You tried award goes to Clemson for mm-hmm. trying not to piss down their leg. <laughs> Having a three point game at halftime against an FCS team is freaking Clemson. Yeah, Adam Adam Parker said, "Do you want to give the U tried award to Pitt?" I, I think that's I think that's I think that's totally fair. I think the U tried award could just go to Pitt offense for just ridiculous. being ridiculous, totally terrible, ridiculous. Um, I'm sure we're forgetting something, Mike. Is there anything else that I can? I, I can't remember anything else. Queen Victoria Award. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, the Queen Victoria Memorial U died award. I think also goes to Pittsburgh. Yeah, big yikes. Um. Can I preemptively give it to Boston College next week? Say, hmm, yeah, I, yeah, you can. Yeah, the, the, the Utah Award next week. I think we already got that set in stone. So yeah, you can absolutely do that, Scott. That's that's going to be a spread in the mid twenties, I would guess. I'm all Maybe over it. More, all over it. Yeah. Name your score. Florida State minus anything. Mm-hmm. Like, or, yeah. Keep that Name train it. rolling. Yep. No doubt about it. Yep. Oh, thank you, Adam. Is there a Bowling Green game this weekend? We we missed that on the preview. Oh, by the dear way. God. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, don't do this to me. I Let's look. I, Adam, it's a fair I'm question, looking. and we just got to we gotta do better than this. I uh, got Bowling it. Green. Bowling, yeah, Bowling Go Green, ahead, 38, Eastern Illinois, 15. I think Eastern Illinois is the FCS team, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Okay. Good job, Bowling Green. Shout out to the Falcons. Where's my uh, – hang on. Hold yeah, on. shout out to the Falcons for beating a directional, a directional Midwest team. Scott, do we have the sound? Is it here? I don't think so. Yeah, next week. There it is. That a boy. There it is. Yeah, nice. All right. All right, gents, I'm tapped out. We did we it. Good. We did we it. Did we it. made it. Sun- Sunday night fever round two unintentionally we'll we'll do it saturday nights moving forward we swear i'll see you saturday night sounds good all right let's work on getting out of here uh we'll come back and we're going to preview some week three games got a good slate coming your way so keep it tuned here in the meantime find us on twitter i'm at ftrs joey he's at mike mcdaniel si together at bc podcast acc uh you can send us an email to the longest email address known to man basketball conference podcast at gmail.com nailed it Thank you. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Anywhere you go find your podcast, go find us there. Uh, Mike, where else are we in the social medias? Yeah, Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find some of our podcasts there. Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. YouTube, hit the freaking mm-hmm. subscribe button at the ACC Football Podcast. We love you guys joining us for these uh, these instant recaps. So uh, if you're if you're a little jelly of the people that got in here and uh, were able to watch live, that's a, a really good way to join in. And uh, and watch. By the way, shout out to Adam. Yeah, my ninety two today with big quotes around the ninety two. Yeah, no shame, no shame. I mean, we're not on tour, right? Hey, professionals keep their own score too. By the way, so uh, you know, it's very true. Which That's says true. a lot about you, you know? Yeah, me, the professional golfer. That's right. Uh, Mike, I think that's it. Anything else? Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Yeah, 
Thank you, chat. That's what good Twitch streamers say, right? Yeah, Call I think people so. chat. Yeah, yep. there you go. All right. Subscribe. Help us get to 250. Please do. Please do. Hijack your friends and family's devices and hit subscribe. We, we would appreciate that. We don't their, have any. And their work calls. Team. And their work phones. Yeah. Yeah. We have we have a low bar here. We're just, you know. Shameless. Shameless. Yep. Yes, monetized. There you go. All right. Let's come back in uh, preview week three. How's that sound? Yes, do it. All right. Well, until then, from Mr. Mike McDaniel, Mr. Producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.